We did it no money down, principal only monthly payments. And why the guy do that? People say, well, why would he do it? Five kids out of state wanted to be there for Thanksgiving two years ago, and um, we solved his issue for him. So he got his price, but he got it on terms. He got no money down, and he was able to leave and know that his property's in good hands. Hello, and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, before we get started, I just want to talk about a few things. First of all, uh, I appreciate everybody listening. So go on to iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you are, and make sure you subscribe to the show. I'd love to have uh, everybody subscribing to the show. Uh, second of all, if you are a listener, you heard our show, um, I'd love to get a rating review from you. So you can go on to iTunes. That's the best place to do it. I know you might be listening somewhere else. But iTunes is what's going to help us out the most. Go into iTunes and give us a rating and review. And, of course, five stars would be what we would uh, appreciate. Uh, Give us a rating and review. That's going to really help our show out. So that's what I ask of of you as a listener. If you can do that, that would be fantastic. Um, And then share, of course. Share this uh, out on, you know, social media and and whatever you want to do to help help that. That that would be great. Now, what I want to be able to do for you is I want you to join our Facebook page and I want to learn just, I want to learn about who you are, what you've got going on in business, what's exciting right now, what you're working on and, and, or maybe struggling with, and then what kind of advice, what kind of things should we be talking about on this show to help you accelerate your business, to help you make it to that next level. So go on our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth Facebook page, and uh, and just give us some feedback or give, give us some feedback about you. You know, I want to know what you've got going on and I want to know what kind of questions you might have. Maybe I can't answer them. Maybe I can, but we can find somebody as a guest on the show to help us answer those. And then also if you've got uh, any any uh, recommendations of guests too. I'd love to have them on the show as well. Uh, with that, I've been doing some coaching as well. And I've had been having a lot of fun coaching and, and I want to take on a few more clients, not a ton, but a few more clients. And so if you do have interest or you know somebody that has interest in getting a, uh, a coach mentor, um, I would love to just have a discovery call, see if it's right for you. It might not be, but it could be. And so that's what I'd love to do. And, and I didn't believe, honestly, in, in getting a coach until personally I, I had one and saw the results that it, that have happened with it. And it's, you know, we go through thinking that um, we can do everything on our own, but sometimes it just takes that extra push for us to be able to get to that next level. Uh, the last thing I want to mention is, John Stiles, he's on our show every single week, and he is a licensed real estate agent. So if you are looking in the state of Minnesota, John can help you out. So, you know, if, if that's the case, make sure you connect with John Stiles if you're looking for real estate, and he can really help you get to that next level as well. Get some investment properties or sell your investment property. Hey, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer. With me today, I have Chris Prefontaine. Chris, how are you doing today? 
Excellent. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you joining me. A little bit about Chris. He's a best-selling author and real estate investor with over 26 years of experience, uh, including 18 years as a builder, realtor, broker, owner, and investor. Uh, Chris has always been an entrepreneur, even uh, when he didn't know it. I, I like uh, some of these stories when you, you used to drag your wagon up to the street corner and sell junk from your closet, you used to purchase gum by the pack and sell them by the slice in middle school, which is, which is uh, very creative. I got to figure out how to get my daughter to do stuff like that. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so right now uh, you're doing uh, some coaching. You've got uh, you founded the Smart Real Estate uh, Coach in 2014, and you focus on um, coaching investors how to scale and automate their business, which is exactly what this uh, podcast is kind of all about. Which is uh, why I'm excited to have you on. So with that, Chris, can you give our listeners a little bit more about your background and then what you've got going on today in business? Sure. So I've been at real estate in some shape, form or fashion, Todd, since uh, 91. So I definitely date myself, but we've touched a little bit of everything as you mentioned, but then after the 2008 debacle, we made that transition and that transition was really just to re-engineer literally our entire business. Uh, and that for us meant not taking any bank loans, not signing personally, you know, not jeopardizing any of that and not using our own money, frankly, with very few exceptions. So we buy everything on terms, We've got a family company here. We buy and sell within the New England area. And then we help some of our students. We call them associates all around the country. We've got about 50 plus people around the country that do the same thing we do. And we actually partner deals with them and, and get in the trenches with them. So it's a pretty cool environment. Hmm. Interesting. Um, what, uh, what made you transition to different segments in within the real estate uh, business? Cause it sounds like you've, done a lot of different things. So what, what was transitioning uh, and why? And why? Uh, the main one was the 2008 change. And I call it the debacle in my book, because for me, it was not for everyone, but a lot of people were affected by that. And so we had, I don't know, 20 plus properties that we were on personally, signed with the bank personally. So that causes headaches when the market drops by a third or a half. And so that caused the major change. And it, it took me till about 2013 to dig out of that, literally work out to the banks, short sales, all kinds of garbage. And then in 13, we launched just a terms business, buying on terms without ever using a bank. We control now, I don't know, 50 or 60 properties at any one time. Our associates around the country control another, say, 20 or 30 at any one time. That's a lot of property. None of that done with bank loans. So are you, I mean, today's market, right, is, is 2018, almost 2019. It's hot. Uh, people, people know that they can get a lot of money for their properties. Uh, in today's market, are you still able to buy and are you still able to buy on terms? Yeah, good question. Because people say all the time, even sellers go, I, I, you know, why would anyone do that? Sometimes they'll say that. Well, uh, there's still about a third of the properties in the country that are debt-free ballpark and different states are different. So those are people that are in great shape. If, if they needed cash, they would have already pulled it out. So they'll typically do owner financing with you. Um, and so we are still buying quite actively. Now, does it mean we have to call more people Todd, to get a deal? Yeah. Whereas in the past, I might talk to 25 sellers to have check in hand, you know, cashed out of a deal. You might be 45 now or whatever. Every market's different, but we'll still buy. You just got to talk to more people. 
So <clears throat> when you're, I mean, you're, you're talking about getting into these properties with, with little or no of your own money. How are you convincing these sellers to sell to you with, with no equity uh, or m maybe that money's coming from somewhere else? Nope. Uh, good question. So we, I never, and this is the good way you asked it, uh, not even intentionally, because I tell my associates and my students, you don't try to convince anyone because what we're trying to do here is just like, um, what's the best analogy? Like if you went to, I don't know, auto body, pick uh, accountant, attorney, they're trying to solve a problem, right? Some In some shape or fashion. Okay. So it's the same here. If someone needs to leave the state quickly or they need to, they had a job change, it's positive. It's not always negative. Um, we did a property, a 10 acre estate that was debt free, beautiful property. We did it, no money down, principal only monthly payments. And why the guy do that? People say, well, why would he do it? Five kids out of state wanted to be there for Thanksgiving two years ago, you know, to, to, to this season. And um, we solved his issue for him. So he got his price, but he got it on terms. He got no money down and he was able to leave and know that his property was in good hands. Um, so that was a good situation turned better. Sometimes it's stressful. They got to get out of debt, you know, two properties or something like that. So it's always, I go towards the motivation. How can I fix that or solve that for them? What's your, uh, what's your feedback when you're going, Hey, I want to buy this property. Obviously you're maybe not saying it quite like this, but I want to buy this property. I'm not going to give you anything up front. What's your feedback that you get from most people uh, on that? Do you get most people to say, no way, or are you able to present it in such a way where you're getting a decent amount of yeses? I'll give you the exact script. It's your script, but a little softer. So it's, it's <laughs> uh, you know, he, he taught, uh, you know, your house is on the market, right? I'm talking to expireds or FISBOs. Okay. So if I got you to your price, would you be open to doing that on a lease purchase or owner financing? Um, most knee jerk is no, to which we say, great, 99% of the people choose to or, or would, would hope to uh, sell their property conventional full price tomorrow, right? Everyone. Then we just plant a seed that the fact is most buyers can't qualify conventionally right now and the banks are getting tougher. And that plants that seed of doubt perhaps so that if they don't sell conventionally, they're coming back to us. Uh, because that is a high stat and every market is different, but it's as much as 82% in some markets where a buyer, the buyer pool can't walk into a bank and get a loan today until right. the credit improves or whatever. Right. And, and so, so when you're presenting that and they say, no, not right now, what do you do? What do you do to follow up um, with them to try to continue the conversation? Yeah. Good progression. So we, we dig into the motivation. So if you, I'll give you two extremes. If you said to me as a seller, I'm, my reason is just I'm downsizing or upsizing. I got no hurry. I could kill less and I need all my money out. I'm, I'm not a buyer. But if you say to me, well, it's got to sell by, you know, three months from now or five months from now, or else I can't get my job or else I can't see my daughter. I can't see my mom. Okay. I'll follow up with them then in, in the three or four or five months and we'll, we'll have that agreement. Okay. Look, we're a great plan B if you don't sell and they usually agree to that and we'll just send them off some general information. But the amount of people that come back, you have seasons like we do with the weather, the amount of people that come back to us right now, you know, and they're going, oh man, it's a dead of winter or it's about to be and we can't sell, uh, we get flooded and we'll get it again after the happiness of the spring comes and goes and they go, oh, I still didn't sell. And then so in the summer we get another influx. Mm, interesting. And then so you just keep in con contact with them. You said you send them some stuff. Are you sending them just information on your company? Are you sending them information on the program? What are you sending them? Yeah, uh, both. We sent them kind of a why why should I sell on terms document. Yeah, and we, we share that with our students too because it's a no-brainer. They get that. They know the stats. 
they now have a planted seed or a fear in their mind that says, if I don't sell, what the heck am I going to do? Okay, here's my solution. So give me an example then of, of, of terms, um, of a common, you know, terms that you like to give. Yeah. So we do lease purchase and owner financing, but because I alluded to that big deal, let me, let me talk about that one. So that was, um, let's use round numbers. It's about a $400,000 purchase. Um, we paid the, the guy, uh, when I say owner financing, by the way, let me back up. Owner financing to us means it's debt free because there's all kinds of owner financing you can do. It means to us it's free and clear and we're able to structure principal only payments by the seller becoming the bank. We pay them on the first mortgage. So we pay this guy $1,500 a month, principal only. And so every single month we're mitigating our risk against market dropping, we're hammering principal. And then at the end we have a balloon due, uh, whatever that is, however many months we structure. We'd love to go out four years or longer. Sometimes it's as little as two or three. It depends on the deal. So we'll turn around and then fill that with a tenant buyer. Uh, that particular one we sold for $499, and they'll be cashing out a year from now at $499, and we'll owe you know some subset of that, probably low threes. And and what happens? So you you guys have this you know three four maybe even five year term. Uh, your tenant buyer has a shorter term. Uh, what happens when they can't buy? Okay, so there's a couple things that go on here. So if you're a buyer, I was calling you the seller before, let's put you in the buyer's shoes now. And you will be pre-vetted before we accept you for the home. And I say this very important because you probably interviewed people and they're all over the internet publicly saying, I don't care if my buyers get financing, I'll just put another buyer in there, collect another deposit. Great, they can do that legally, but morally and ethically it stinks. So we put them through a bit of a process so we make sure that we set them up to win unless they have a life event and mess it up, right? So we're going to put you through normal criminal credit and all that, but we're going to actually see the front end and back end housing ratios. Like if we were writing a mortgage today, how long is it going to take Todd to get ready to be mortgage ready? And then we're going to structure a term that accommodates that. And then we're going to keep a mechanism in place to watch it. And so again, unless they have a life event, which happens, then they're going to get to the finish line and cash out. Pretty cool. Okay. okay. And if, now, if they if don't, they... I should have answered your question. If they don't, we pivot. We we can sell conventionally. You, you know, you fall out, you got to go to another state. I can put on the market and sell right away. I can get an extension from the seller. Um, I can do a number of different things. And, and honestly, the only thing that you're risking is your down payment, which if you've got your first tenant buyer in there, they've covered that. And you should have at least broke even if not actually likely made a decent amount of money already. Correct. And you know, I'll give you an extreme example. It just happened one of our students. It's, it's a, it's a different one, but it's a life event that happens. So you put someone in the home and I'll give you round numbers. He collected like a $35,000 down payment. Some the couple was in their thirties. Um, they were um, doing the um, uh, uh, marijuana uh, sales that you can, that he thought they had a permit for. They didn't uh, end up being that, that they had to get out of there. They defaulted. Then the wife passed away. All kinds of life events happened. This is within four months. So obviously they had to leave. Now he's meanwhile get this term left of like three and a half years. So he put another tenant buyer in there, was able to collect a nice deposit, put a nice buyer in there and he's all set. But none of that stuff came up on criminal or anything. So sometimes it happens, you know? So I always tell the good, the bad and the medium, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But he made out great, you know? But, but he did fine. Yeah, sure. Um, so is this, is this something, I mean, I'm assuming a new investor could come in and, and do this as well. Probably a pretty decent strategy for a, a new investor to come in. What are I like it for new, Todd. I really do because um, 
I, look, I've looked at everything over the years, but if a new investor was to try to go out, unless they're super talented uh, with their with speaking and whatnot, and has to go raise money or has to go apply for bank loans, they don't have perfect credit or, or a strong balance sheet, that can be tough and it can be frustrating. But this, they don't have to worry about as long as they're teachable and coachable. What... Um... What are some pitfalls that a, that a new investor has to look out for? Obviously, with any strategy, there's, there's kind of the pitfalls or the tricks. So what, are, what should they look out for with this type of... of uh... Sure. Um, buying right as in any strategy, right? Mm -hmm. You can easily overpay because you can get the deal. And then you can overpay. And at the end, you're going, why did I do this? I just created a headache for myself or a job. So overpaying, uh, structuring the right terms. Um, the other pitfall would be trying to go at it alone, I guess would be my, my advice to anyone in any niche in any business. Success leaves clues, people have done it. So just a major pitfall is trying to do this on your own. You know, yeah. there's a lot of free information online now to get some help. Um, the other thing would be on the buyer side, not collecting enough down payment. If you don't do that, all you have is a renter. So sometimes a seller will say to me, oh, I tried that rental and it didn't work. I say, okay, explain to me what you did. Well, I rented and I gave them an option. They didn't buy it. Well, no kidding, because you just had a renter. But if you have a buyer in there and they have a mortgage plan, they have a big down payment, they're buying it. It's a big difference. So those are just some things. I wrote about 30 of them in my book and I wrote what can go wrong. And some mentors said to me, why'd you do that? You're going to scare people away. No, I want to tell them what can go wrong so they, they know what they're getting into. Yeah. So I'm kind of yeah. an open book. I want them to know that. It's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's important to know the challenges because you have to be prepared for those challenges. Yeah, it's not the seminar where it's all fluffy and you go out and go, "What the heck? What's all this stuff going on here?" <laughs> uh, so, so you're you're into uh, making sure that your clients are actually building a business versus you know just buying a piece of real estate. Um, what are some strategies that you find? Um, as successful business owners actually, you know, implement. Yeah. A big one now, especially cause it's so easy is simply outsourcing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're doing tasks that are, that are technically 10, 15, $20 tasks per hour, you're killing yourself. You're a glorified assistant. There are, um, I picked this up on a podcast and I've been using it for two years. There's a company called the get leverage. And I've since met the owner and brought him into my office for a consult. I was so impressed, but I simply got it on a podcast. He does, as he says, anything legal within the United States, he, people in the United States, he can do it anywhere, but he takes on any task, Todd. I'm talking about uh, assistance to calling, to building websites, to doing our YouTube channel, anything you want, you can outsource. So why wouldn't you outsource? So that's one thing. And the second thing is uh, to get help. I know I keep saying this, but someone's done what you want to do. So, you know, if someone says, Hey, Todd, once you get to this point, you're going to need this. Once you get to this point, you're going to need an assistant. Just follow their path. I mean, it's don't try to recreate the wheel here. Yeah. Good, good advice. Um, anything else on, on operating that business successfully? What are some like key factors when we're looking at the operation? Um, I'm big on tracking. I can get to probably obnoxious with it, but if you're not tracking your numbers and that could be financial, that could be the calls you make. If you don't do that next year comes, the new year comes and you're just back to work. You, you have nothing that you can predict a business on yet. If you're tracking, you can say, okay, based on my year, I know how many calls I have to do to make a X amount of deals. You and I were talking before yeah. the show and I, I gave you numbers because I know how many calls and how many people you got to talk to, to get a deal. Why? Because we track. 
So just get the important metrics in your business, whatever niche it is, get good at three or four of those and just track them obnoxiously. And you'll have a predictable business next year and forever that you can actually scale. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What's a big mistake you've made? Well, we already talked about the 2008 debacle. So maybe something other than that. What's a big mistake you've made and how did you learn from it? Um, well, in this current one, the biggest one I would say, and we've made a big change because of it, it was a uh, lead job that we got stuck with, believe it or not, on a property we took over. And it was a, a cascading of, a, uh, of events, but it was basically a disclosure that was not properly done by a seller. And we took the, his word for it, took over the property, and then uh, morally and ethically decided to do the right thing for our buyer and cost us 30 grand. Now, that was just plain stupid on our part. After 26 years, you think I figured it out, right? But stuff like that happened. So we tweaked our agreements to make in our checklist internally to make sure it never happens again. So that one just comes to mind. But th look, there's many. I wish I could tell you I don't make them. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. But you, we get better because of it. And the next time you get that deal, you nail it, you know, just this life. Yeah. For that person that's trying to get to that next level, uh, get to, you know, building a, a truly successful business, um, what is it, what's one thing that does takes to get there? Um, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but almost every answer this comes into play and that is, um, the right path and the right path is usually means a mentor or a coach yeah. who's done it. And yeah. people say, well, maybe I can't afford it to that. I say, okay, for many years before I could afford it. And after the 2008 debacle, I couldn't afford a phone. It, it is seeking out an author that you just read about or seeking out someone on YouTube. I will tell you, if you call someone or you call me as an author or taught or whoever, and you said, look, I truly love your stuff. Can I just buy you lunch or buy you breakfast? Or can I ask you, can I get five minutes of your time? They'll give it to you. People want to help others when they've gone through some success. So that would be a cool thing for anyone to do in any business. I'm not talking just real estate. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You, you mentioned, uh, you know, hiring people, outsourcing. Do you have any uh, tips on how do you, you know, how do you do that? How do you find the right people and how do you make sure you're giving them the right tasks? Okay. So two tier kind of the, on the, on the right people thing, I never knew this. So it's like every year we, we as a company say, what area do each of us need to work on? And a couple of years ago for me, it was okay. Kind of values and culture. Like how do we want to build this thing? So we just developed five or six values that we want to live by that we won't deviate from whether we're doing a deal or hiring someone. So likewise, now when we hire someone, what do we look at? those values. Uh, you know, for us, it's operating in integrity, uh, operating as a team, not as individual, um, you know, things like that. So we put that in place and say, does this person fit that? doesn't mean they're good or bad. It just means, do they fit our values and our model and where we're going? And then I'm sorry, the second part of that was, um, um, yeah, just, just tips and strategies on how do you like give them the right tasks Got it. And, and really know that you're giving them enough. Cause I think that's a, that's a problem with a lot of people, especially when they're new as they go, well, yeah, I could hire somebody and they can do this and this, but that's not really enough work to hire somebody. So how do you know what? To I do? agree. I, cause I remember like it was yesterday, every time I took that next move, it was like, I don't think I can keep them busy. Here's what, here's what you got to do in the next three days, make a crap list. What do I mean? Make a list of the things that you're doing every day that you know if someone was looking, if Todd or I were looking over your shoulder, we would call that like a 10 or a $15 item per hour. 
make that list and you'll be shocked um, how much goes on that list. And then the next step would be what? Next step would be hiring that personal assistant, even if it's four hours a week. And I know this is going to sound crazy, but you'll, you'll fill that so easily that you'll start to think of other things and that'll let you scale that individual up and up and up. And that's what we do almost every time, one day a week, two, three, four, and we grow into that position. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a great idea. I tell people all the time, you know, write that list down of what you're doing every day. And that way you can actually make a list of what you can give away. Cause otherwise you're just going to get lost in the, in the busyness of the day. Super easy to do yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I'll give you a quickie example. And that's how we, uh, as part of our associate program at some of the levels, we actually fly to the market. And so I went to our, our Washington DC partner and I, and I, this is the second time I went, but I went to his office and you know, within 15 minutes, you just go, what, what are you, what are you doing that for? What are you doing that? You know, it's so easy for a third party to come in and look at that. And so it's a neat way of doing that. Have someone look over your shoulder and watch what you're doing for a couple hours. So as you're coaching these clients, it sounds like you're actually getting, being a part of their business more than anything. Many um, of them. Yeah. So, so is that part of the program you're flying into these areas? You're helping them. Um, yeah, why is that important? We haven't come here and we go there at some of the levels. Yeah. So they get to see like in reality, what's the family doing? They, they talk about this and they train this, but what are they doing? They get to see it in action. It's nothing glamorous. just what we do every day. Yeah. And then um, we go to them at some of the levels too. And then we have a yearly event they can come to. And it's a great community to, to just be part of that glue, you know? Yep. Yep. And, and, you, and then you're actually doing, uh, you're actually investing still. You're, you're, you're actually out there still buying. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We do. If you count all of ours and, and then all the people around the country, it's five to 10 a month. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's super important, don't you think? Because if not, yeah. you got the real estate market changes too quickly and, and yeah. you're, out, you're off the pulse. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, you wouldn't really understand that you, you can still implement this system in today's market. Right. Because um, markets change all the time. I mean, we, the, the, change, the change that has happened from 2012 you know, to today is just, it's, it's just crazy. Night and day. Yeah, night and day. Um, what, what are um, your goals, your company goals moving forward? What do you want to, what do you want to achieve? We want to do, we're on, we're on a five-year mission. We're one year in to do 1500 transactions around the country with our associates. Um, so that entails a lot of the groundwork that you, that you're an advocate of the, the scaling, the system systemization. I mean, it's perfectly in line with what, what you and I talked about before the show. So that's our biggest uh, goal there. And to have, uh, all the states will have someone prominent in groups, subgroups prominent uh, in our program doing deals. It's, it's a fun, fun, fun journey. Cool. Awesome. Um, what's a favorite book? You know, that I keep bringing this one up because so far it's still top of my list. Ray Dalio's Principles. Mm, I like that book a lot. Yeah. Definitely. It's just, yeah, it's so much in there. You could go through that thing 10 times. <laughs> I, I've done it twice still and I, there's a lot that you miss every time. So you're ahead of me. That's a, that's a big book to go through a second time. Well, I, I, I should, I cheated though. I did it through audible. I do that a lot. I love, I love it. Yeah. 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 Cause sometimes, you know, you're sitting in your car, you got it, you got extra time. I was actually the first time I did it. I was sitting in a deer hunting stand and, um, listen to Ray Dalio's book. <laughs> yeah. It's a good way to double or triple what you're doing though. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
So last question before we kind of wrap up, what are your three pillars of wealth creation? Um, you told me that right before the show, and I think it's a really cool question. So here are some thoughts. Um, and that kind of goes in order of what I already said, right? One is the mindset, because I don't care if you're selling popcorn or whatever business you're doing. If, the, if this space between here is not in, in line, then you're going to have trouble. I don't care what you're doing. Second is, uh, so now you get this straight. You, you get that worked on with its books, uh, tapes, mentors. And then second is getting a mentor or a coach that's in your niche that's, uh, that you can relate to. You, I just, you don't have to love the personality, but can you relate to it? Um, it uh, are they still doing deals? So there's your coach makeup. And then the last one is to build something that you actually get to design a lifestyle with, not create a job with. And that goes back to what you originally said, which is, making sure your niche, almost every niche can, make sure your niche can be scaled and, and you can actually create a, a lifestyle, not having to go do something every single day. And unfortunately, if, if someone's flipping one house a month or doing a couple of wholesale deals a month, it, it, not to downgrade anyone, but it's a job. You know, so make sure you're building something. Those are the three things. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I, I really like the, well, I like them all, but that last one is, is really important. A lot of people build their build a job like you said they they're not building a company that can help them achieve the lifestyle they really want they're thinking about uh building something and they're not really thinking about what they actually are wanting and desiring yeah but, i agree 100 percent. and that's only going to get you to that uh state of okay now what what's next you're going to go back to get your job because you're not going to want to do that you're not going to want to do that yeah absolutely um well, great. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, you've got uh, a lot of information for people and, and obviously some, some value. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? The two best things are free so they can dip their toe in the water. Uh, go over to free, S-R-E-C book.com. Free, S-R-E-C for smart real estate coach book.com you'll get the free book and when i say free todd just so you know we don't charge shipping i know you hear free all the time then you get this shipping thing pop up and you gotta put your credit there's no credit card there's no we'll pay for shipping we'll pay the six to seven bucks you'll get the book and then you'll get an email and if you want to do the free webinar you can do that as well okay perfect just make this all you gotta do is put the there on your show and bingo they'll get it yeah yeah i'll put the link Right on the show notes, so our listeners can get to that and uh, get that book. Awesome, free free stuff is always uh, is always a good thing. They can yeah, save get. you a trip to Amazon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, great, Chris. I appreciate you being on the show. Appreciate you spending time with us. Tons of value uh, that you've added. So uh, thanks a lot for that. Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Keep creating some businesses. That's awesome. Yeah, you uh, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me on. A special thanks to Chris Prefontaine for joining us on the show. Appreciate him spending time with us, taking valuable time out of his day and being with us and giving us a ton of insight. I know I learned a ton and uh, three valuable things from Chris among many others is first, he talks about getting a, uh, getting a mentor, getting a coach, uh, you know, basically finding help, not just relying on, you know, our own thoughts and knowledge and trying to think we can do it on our own, 
Um, the next thing he talks about is, is tracking. Make sure your numbers are tracking, you know, or you're tracking your numbers, not only your financial numbers, but the numbers of phone calls you're making, the numbers of everything, letters you're sending out, of, you know, ads you're doing, whatever it is that you're uh, doing, make sure you're tracking that and tracking the details of it, getting the numbers down. And then the, the last thing he talks about is building a lifestyle and not a job. And if we're all in this business or in our own businesses and we're trying to achieve something more than just a, a simple, you know, nine to five job, we're trying to achieve, you know, financial independence or whatever it might be. So he talks about, you know, the importance of building a lifestyle and making sure your business is a lifestyle that you want it to be. Again, appreciate Chris joining us on the show and appreciate you listening. Go on to our uh, our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth Creation Facebook page, and go on to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever, and subscribe and give us a, a rating review. We would love to have that as well. It helps us grow our audience and share this out on, you know, on your social media networks as well. I'm Todd Dexhammer signing off. Make every day a Saturday. 